feeling uh, jet lagged or confused about the time or whatever, welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Hand of Pod. It is a glorious afternoon, 20 past three in the afternoon, here in Buenos Aires. The kind of afternoon that reminds me of when I was living in England and having to stream on, on dodgy streams um, Argentine football and, and in the middle of winter seeing glorious late summer um, on, on my screen. You can do that now as well, but you don't have to do it illegally and you don't have to do it in bad quality anymore. You can do it with the help of our sponsors, Fanatis, um, who stream the Argentine Superliga and the Copa Argentina legally, live and in HD, and also on demand in case you miss a match. And Hand of Pod listeners can get a 20% discount on their first three months, on the first three months of their subscription, by going to, pay attention please, fntz.co slash hop, and using the uh, code hopfz. Please remember to go to fntz.co slash hop so that they know that we sent you. Thank you very much. And with that message from our sponsors out of the way, it's time for me to introduce today's two uh, panellists. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. And by a very, very special guest, an actual genuine professional broadcaster <laughs> um, with his own radio show and everything on the proper radio, not, not a podcast, uh, of... Jacobs and Hawksby. Now, Hawksby and Jacobs. I, I think your name should be, be first. He'd be very unhappy if he heard that. <laughs> I, th- I think your name deserves to be first. Uh, it's Andy Jacobs. Yeah, good afternoon, Sam. Thanks very much for having me. I, Hi, I, would, I would tell you what Andy's uh, Twitter account is, but he doesn't have one slash doesn't want you to know what it is. So we shall move on. Um, <laughs> the Superliga results since we last recorded. Have there been any games in hand played since we last recorded, Andres? There haven't, have there? Uh, I think we're fully up to speed now. Um, so the, the scores from last weekend are as follows. On Friday, Tigre 2, Patronato 1. Uh, sorry to spoiler that for you, Andy. I've just realised that's the game that we're currently watching on replay as we record. <laughs> uh, Lanús 2, Rosario Central 0. Colón 0, Banfield 1. On Saturday, Huracán lost 3-1 at home to Unión. Uh, Sarsfield got a very impressive 2-0 win away to Godoy Cruz. Uh, not very often that you see the away side winning in Mendoza. Belgrano and San Lorenzo played out a nil-nil draw, which was, I mean, I think we'll probably discuss it quite briefly in a minute, but it was about as interesting as that scoreline makes it sound. And then Independiente Racing produced a rather more interesting game, which ended 3-1 to Racing in the Estadio Libertadores de América. On Sunday, River Plate got a sketchy, edgy, nervy 2-1 win at home to San Martín de Tucumán. Estudiantes lost 1-0 at home to Tacheres with a fantastic hit from somebody called Samuel. I'm a big fan of that goal, Samuel Sosa. <laughs> Atletico Tucumán and Argentinos Juniors drew 0-0. Boca Juniors, um, we discussed Defensa Justicia last week against Botafogo in the Sudamericana and they played exactly the same match again on Sunday. They lost 1-0 at home to Boca Juniors. Uh, it wasn't by as many goals as against Botafogo a few days previously, but it was a very, very similar game. 
And on Monday evening, Aldo Civi nil, Gimnasia nil in Mar del Plata. And Newell's Old Boys 3, San Martín de Tucumán nil uh, in Rosario. In San Juan. No, in, in Rosario. Newell's for the home but side. But you say Tucumán. Oh. oh, did I? Oh, sorry, yes. Newell's Old Boys 3, San Martín de so, San Juan sorry, nil. Sorry, there San... are too many San Martins. No, thank you very much for picking me up on it. There are too many San Martins in the... In the there, there won't be for yes. very much longer. Uh, but for the moment, there are. Um, that match is the first time in the history of the professional era of Argentine football. I don't know whether there are any stats available for this kind of thing for the amateur era, uh, but the statisticians haven't mentioned them if there are, that there have been three goals scored by one team, all from penalties and all with different goal scorers. Mauro Formica scored the first just before half-time, Maxi Rodriguez got the second with 16 minutes to go, and Victor Figueroa scored the third in the 90th minute. Uh, Interestingly, Figueroa had replaced Formica uh, just over an hour in. But there we are. A little bit of statisticalness for you. Uh, main talking points from the weekend? Well, I, I think that the something mystery, mysterious, mysteriously or strangely uh, that we said last episode was that we thought there would be a, an only leader uh, since uh, the, the round that has already been played. And we were right. That is something mm. really crazy. Yeah, Racing are now three points clear um, at the top of the league, thanks to Defensive Odysseus' slip-up. So I think that the best places to start are, you know, the Racing and the Defensive Odysseus games, right? Especially since between them, they actually deal with the top three in the league now. Um, the Clásico de Avellaneda. I, I assume you both caught it? I only saw the Boca goal. I saw uh, Tevez's goal and pretty poor goalkeeping, in fact. Mm. Bit of a sketchy win, but I saw Boca last week against Tucumán in the Bombonera, and they were pretty poor. So they've, they've been struggling for um, coherence, I think, un- under <laughs> under Guillermo Barrasquillo in the previous what three years or something while he's been in charge, um, and now under Gustavo Alfaro, I see people on Twitter sometimes saying, "Oh, I can see a plan emerging," and I think, eh. Do you want to share it with the rest I'm of us? I'm not entirely sure. I thought previously when I'd seen Boca play, I thought they played more of a European style. I thought they played really quite well, quite attractively. But they looked a bit like Chelsea last week. They looked like a lot of sideways passing, not particularly penetrative, and not particularly playing with a lot of confidence. And it is difficult, isn't it? If, you, if you're a big club like Boca and you appoint a guy who's never really managed at that level, mm. like Sarri and a similar thing, it's difficult. And you can see, I can't see him lasting. San Lorenzo fans would in fact say that he has managed a big team, but uh, they don't like him because he did a terrible job of it. Um, And of course he then went to Huracan, who are San Lorenzo's main rivals. Interestingly, there was talk, I think, before the game, if I remember rightly, that Carlos Tevez um, and Mauro Sarate might play together. And they did. Uh, In a... It was difficult, really, to say. uh, The formation at the start... Was like okay. This is a what four three one two or a four three two one with, if it's the one two that is either Sarate or Tevez playing in behind Benedetto and the other one, um, and yet it was very very difficult to tell what the formation actually was once the game got started because defensively with Dicia, in the first half especially, were just completely dominant. Boca didn't have a single touch in the defensively with Dicia box. I think they had about three touches in the final third. Um, defensively with Dicia very 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 similar numbers to the Copa Sudamericana stats that we were mentioning on last week's show 
something like 11 or 12 shots at half time, but only three of them on target. There were loads of them from outside the box. Uh, which player was it who had the shot from nearly the halfway line about 15 minutes in? I think it was um, uh, Domingo Blanco. He was it's, tired of making nutmegs. It was yeah, just it was, Yeah, made three nutmegs. Finishes on the losing side. Am I right in thinking there was an amazing clearance in that game? Was it Lopez? Yes, yes. Lopez. Incredible. Yes. And, and that was the other bizarre thing, actually, because afterwards the broadcasters named um, Esteban Andrada, the Boca Juniors goalkeeper, as the man of the match. And I thought, well, it was on. half and half. Yeah. I mean, he, what he's done is a few eye-catching saves from shots from about 30 yards out. And for the one actual chance that Defensive Uthisio managed to fashion, he was nowhere. He was complete no-man's land, and his defender bailed him out by clearing it over the crossbar. Um, so it was a slightly peculiar choice, I thought, for Man of the Match. Not that I don't think I would have picked any of the Defensive Uthisio, um players for it either, because they are fantastically entertaining to watch, but they, they need to, to create better chances. I think that in the overall match... Uh, of course, you see Boca or you watch Boca play the way that like they played, and the face of Justicia, of course, a much smaller team playing the way they did, and uh, perhaps you you may get shocked, but uh, comparing two teams and and the well very well built team like the face of Justicia and Boca that is still trying to be a team, hmm. well, it's if you if you compare that you are uh, then you don't get so surprised. Of course, that it was. Uh, Perhaps a shame for Boca supporters or for or, uh, someone who, who follows Boca and, and say that uh, the natural thing would have been the other way. To Boca be the, the star, the, 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 the starring or, or the main uh, team and the face of justicia waiting for try to connect the counter-attack. Uh, and it was just the other way and it was perhaps shocking because of that, because what Boca supporters are used to see. Uh, but... Uh, if you realize what they are doing in the last times, that is not so surprising. Uh, of course, they, they, they were lack lack of goal. Uh, they suffered from a lack of goal that in the end was too uh, expensive price to pay because uh, you know that Boca, even playing that way, uh, with their, their, their players like Tevez or Benedetto or... or or Sarate can can score any at any time. Yeah, yeah. and and they underline that more than ever because they had two shots, <laughs> on one yes. nil. Uh, and when well, in fact when they went one nil up, they still hadn't had a touch inside the defensive with this year half uh, half no half yes, but inside the box. I mean to say um, because Tevez's goal came quite early in the second half and it was from outside the box. Um, the Clásico de Avellaneda was more even. And in fact, the team with fewer shots and fewer chances won that one as well, um, albeit probably with the better ones. And it was difficult to say that it wasn't a deserved win. Uh, Guillermo Bordiso with a very early um, own goal. It was eventually awarded as uh, Alejandro Donati was the racing player who headed it goalward, but the st- statisticians and the referee apparently recorded it as a yes, Bordiso own goal. He claimed, uh, almost making a joke, that he was the one who scored the goal, but then yeah. uh, you could see that it was Bordiso. Indeed. Uh, Fernando Gaibor equalised for Independiente right on the stroke of half-time, and then Lisandro Lopez with a penalty, and Matias Saracho in the 90th minute um, ran in two more for a 3-1 win, which keeps Racing top of the league. Um, Dan isn't here, of course, to, to talk about Racing this week, but it, it was an impressive performance, I thought. You know, the Libertadores de America, as Dan said last week, has been a very difficult stadium for Racing to visit over the last few years. 
they hadn't won since... 18 years? Yeah, something some ridiculous. No, like, since the stadium was rebuilt, essentially, right? I mean, in, in the current iteration of, the, of Independiente Stadium, Racing, uh, this, this is their first away win. Uh, and obviously they've had some very bad memories, such as Teo Gutierrez pulling a gun on a teammate in the dressing room after getting sent <laughs> off, all that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it's possibly um, a, a victory that, that puts a certain number of ghosts to bed as well. Um, and Independiente... They must be comfortable just, with, the, with the way they played because it was much better than mm. the, the previous matches. But of course with the, the dull uh, thing that they, they couldn't win. Uh, and uh, they had the hope of, like happens with the, when the rival is in the top, to put them down and, and they couldn't. Uh, but before the match there was, a, I think, a couple of uh, stuff. Uh, I don't say it uh, really because... Lucky charm. Yes, of, yeah. uh, that they played with the... They have been playing with that short t-shirt uh, before. Mm. But in this match especially they, they chose it because it's like an homage to the 1988 Supercopa winners. Um, similar t-shirt. Okay. And they have won most of the match with that, mm. matches with that shirt. Uh, of course, then they won, and and, and uh, you can say this as a lucky, like charm, like you said. Uh, but it, it started like that. Then, of course, they did it in the pitch, and uh, I think that they played smart in a smart way, uh, not going crazy, uh, pressing so hard, so hard, like they usually do. And they, I think they learned how to play with this, uh, like waiting a bit more on their on their side. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think that that's, that happened the other day. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was um, a needed victory as well for Racing, who obviously have had some slightly less comfortable wins in the last couple of weeks. And, and you can see them now using this as a springboard, along with the three-point cushion that it gives them. Um, the other result in the Libertadores spots, uh, although quite some way below the title race, of course, was Atletico Tucumán's nil-nil draw with Argentinos Juniors, um, which... Having caught a large amount of it, because I was watching that one instead of, uh, which was the other one that was taking place at the same time, Estudiantes Vitacheres, um, I have to say was, it, it felt like a nil-nil. I wasn't surprised when it ended nil-nil. When, when Sosa's got, I actually turned over to see what, what was happening in the other game, about two seconds before Samuel Sosa uh, hit his screamer from about 25-30 yards into the top corner, to which proved to be the only goal of the game for Tacheres against Estudiantes. And I thought, well, I'm going to watch the rest of this one because at least it's produced a goal. Um, and that didn't produce any more, but I was not at all surprised about Atletico Tucumán against Argentinos Juniors didn't produce goal, more goals either. That kicked off as third against 26th. And it was quite... Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It was quite difficult to actually see very much between the teams. I think a lot of that is because Argentinos have improved somewhat uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but it leaves us with the standings in the... Libertadores spots, or at least in the Libertadores automatic spots, uh, the top four, which are Racing with 48 points, Defensa Justicia with 45, Boca Juniors with 38. Um, so still mathematically, I guess, in with the hope of the title, but not realistically. Mm. And Atletico Tucumán in fourth with 36 points. Uh, before, of course, Defensa Justicia and Racing were tied on points, and so were Boca and Atletico Tucumán, but that's now um, there's some daylight opening up. In fifth, which the app that I've got here has got down as a Sudamericana spot, but I have a feeling fifth is actually a Libertadores playoff spot. I keep forgetting to forgetting this every time I get to it on hand the pod. Um, our River with 33 points on goal difference ahead of Belles. 
who have picked it up again in the second half of the season. Uh, they look really good against Godoy Cruz, I thought. Professional. Yeah, I, I think they, they look really good. And, and in the other hand, Godoy Cruz were also... Mm. What they have been... Cool. Uh, they, they, they are, the image they left was the same that they have been uh, leaving the, 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 follow, the previous matches. With Marcelo Gomez leaving, uh, resigning to the, to the, to the charge, uh, because they couldn't uh, uh, do anything or, or decent in the, in the time he was the, the coach. Mm. Uh, there, there is a, apart from that, twenty-one coaches left that left in the twenty rounds. Of yeah, the we've, we've lost three this weekend, right? Marcelo yes. Gomez quit. Um, Independiente, no, sorry, not Independiente. Estudiantes um, sacked, or, or Leandro Benitez quit Estudiantes, uh, and possibly. Oh, no, hang on, this wasn't at the weekend, of course, was it? But Rosario Central's manager uh, has also gone. After the 2-0 defeat to Lanús on Friday, um, we should skip ahead a little bit now. Yesterday, which was on Tuesday, Tuesday evening, uh, Rosario Central drew 2-2, was it? Uh, with Sol de Macho of the Torneo Federal A, which is the regionalised third division in Argentina, um, in the Copa Argentina, and were put out on penalties. Um, oh no, I'm making a mistake, aren't I? Bowser did go at the weekend. Of course, they, of course he did. He he went after the two 0 defeat to Lanús on Saturday, yes. and this uh, elimination um, at the hands of Sol de Macho in the Copa Argentina was Paulo Ferrari's first match as a manager. Uh, Ferrari, the former River Plate and Central right back. Um, Bowser is the probably the most talked about one of the departures. There have been rumours in Rosario, which he has denied various times that he's not in the best of health um, we're not going to repeat those because as far as we know they're complete rubbish and it doesn't uh, you know, uh, do very much to cast aspersions about it but he, he's, he's denied them but what he has said several times is that he's not getting any younger and, and he's uh, in a position now where he misses his wife and his son who are living back in um, Ecuador His wife is he met his wife when he was uh, managing LDU Quito and, uh, and she is uh, she didn't stay there when he went to Saudi Arabia and to um, United Arab Emirates. They went with him, but uh, since he came back to Rosario, they've they've gone to Quito apparently, and he's now on Saturday basically gone on a plane and, and flew back uh, to start life with them again. Um, so it's not perhaps the most surprising departure because he's been talking about this for a couple of yes. weeks. He has he has expected this, and he has already talked about the traveling to Quito in case he was fired yeah. uh, because against Newell's they. The, the classical Rosalino, the uh, Rosario Central didn't play well. They drew once nil nil, but uh, after a great start, they were leaders in, in, in some some rounds. Uh, they they were uh, falling, and now well, uh, it looks like he didn't have energies to to uh, like Bielsa. For no, example. I think that's the fairest thing. Yeah, it, it, there was a lack of energy on his part, and it it was you know. Indicated more than anything by his his public pronouncements about it as well, but I, I, it, it sort of says something about the place of loyalty in football and, and perhaps something about karma as well. That Central sack him, and in the very next game, the first attempt uh, to defend the trophy that he won for them after what three decades without them winning any trophies at all, they go out to a third division side. Um, seems uh, you know not wanting to get uh, too highfalutin or on, on too much of a high horse uh, but but it's um, poetic justice yes. maybe 
Uh, of course, no problem, of course, uh, at all with Paolo Ferrari as well. I don't really know anything about him as a person, and we don't know anything about him as a manager yet. He might turn out still to be very good, but it was a difficult situation to take over from so soon after Bowser leaving. Um, any others? Oh, River. We should talk about River, shouldn't we? Against San Martín de Tucumán. I think it was a deserved win. We know... But it was very much more nervy than it needed to be with about 10 minutes to go, wasn't it? Yes, no, no, nothing brilliant, of course, uh, except for Quintero, yeah. but, who at this point is the, a different player, of course, not only for River, but for, for the Argentine football. Uh, and he scores goals that end up being very, very important for the results. Uh, in this case, it was the opening, the opener, uh, with a really beautiful finish. Um, and uh, yes, I think it was the only perhaps distinctive or, or different uh, mark in, in, in a match which that River was, like you said the other, the other during the last episode, uh, like perhaps choking that if, if River wo- uh, couldn't beat uh, San Martin, Machado should leave. Well, it was uh, perhaps the most easy, ma- the easiest match uh, during this year for River. Uh, of course, in the previous, previously you can say like something like that, but when the match ended, you can tell that it was like that. Even when in the, at the end of the match, it was like some difficulties, and and, and San Martin de Tucumán uh, was near, were close in the results with the one-two. Yeah, Matias Suarez made it two 0 to River with about seven minutes to go, and then Ramiro Costa pulled one back in the ninetieth minute. Um, and there was a penalty, after which yeah, yes. uh, San Martin de Tucumán had a big penalty shout, which. I thought hit hit his who, who, who was it uh, Rojas I, yes. whoever it was I thought it hit his thigh but um, ev- so many people were so up in arms and saying oh that clearly hit his arm that I must have I, I assume that I just didn't catch it uh, properly they don't have VAR here VAR they? no uh, not in the league at the moment no they have it for the knockout stages of the Copa Libertadores and the Sudamericana I think the Sudamericana actually that might not be true yes. um, but no in the Super League I think they're analysing the possibility of having it it's costing as measure as well. Uh, yeah. For some of the clubs, it will be, and for some of the clubs, the the, the security and uh, where to put the VAR because some of them have got very, very, very small stadiums. Um, Normally, they're in a central place rather than at the stadium mm. for that reason. You mentioned Quintero there, and a player really impressed me in the Copa Libertadores final. I was surprised that he didn't make it to Europe. I'm, they'll do well to hang on to him, I'd imagine. Well, yesterday. Uh, it had been talked about for a couple of weeks, but they finally managed to get him to sign a contract extension, which keeps him at River until 2022, and probably more significantly, in terms of what you've just said, Andy, um, it ups his release clause from something like 8 million euros or something, wasn't it, before to 30 million. Uh, that might be euros or it might be dollars, actually. I've just realised I don't know. I think it's 30 million dollars and a bit less in, in euros, but... It's like they are preparing Quintero to, to leave because this clause, uh, release clause going up means that they are expecting a, a really good offer. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, also, I guess there's a, maybe a chance that a lot of European clubs are still aware of and you know, still remember what he was like at Porto where he largely turned up and didn't fancy it very much, <laughs> ate a bit too much and then ended up being sent to River on loan. Um, so... Maybe that that comes into it. I think sometimes, but um, the players yeah, change it would be a and grow, and you know, they, you know they, you can't always judge them for what they did. At one no, precisely, and, exactly. Um, and and it's clear that he's he's found this place in the world. Uh, uh, River is in, you know, it, it, he was 
clearly a very talented footballer in Colombia, but but he's in absolutely magnificent form now. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of it's going to come down to, to what he thinks. But I, I would say that River have done quite a good job since, probably since just before Gachardo took over, really, of hanging on to players like this for perhaps a little bit longer than you would have expected them to. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me necessarily if he's still at River in 12 or 18 months' time, but it would surprise me if he's still at River in two years' time, let's say. That thing, though, of players going now to the uh, American League, to the mm. NA, not the NA. So. We've had a question about that. Actually, yeah, it's because Pity Martinez, didn't he, left River mm. to go and play in America, and that's, a, that's another route that really football here could do without. Yes, it's something recent that uh, wasn't happening uh, some time ago, uh, they were perhaps preferring Mexico rather than the United States. Mm. I know if it's more money that they are paying in the United States than Mexico. It might be similar, I think, because Mexico... I think players like, like Gonzalo Martinez who go and, uh, I'm guessing, is a designated player, I would think that they can pick up a similar package, yeah. I think um, I just called it the NAS, if I meant the MLS. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not Rodney Marsh and all that. <laughs> Best. I think he left for the MLS uh, trying to follow what uh, Miguel Amiron has just done. What is to leave uh, Atlanta United and go to another United, Newcastle United. And hmm. I think he, he, and he mentioned, Almiron, that uh, going to the MLS it's a good step bef- before uh, leaving to, to Europe with his intimate or his uh, in, in his main desire uh, to go to, to Europe but he, he understood that he uh, must f- first uh, play in a uh, not lower league but in, in a league in, in, to, to uh, go to another place be- before uh, Europe yeah and no, I've, I've said a few times so I think it, it makes sense from MLS's point of view and it probably makes sense from the European club's point of view as well they get to see the European sides get to see, okay, can this player adapt to a different culture? Can he adapt to a different language? Um, and from the player's point of view, somewhere like uh, Atlanta United, where there is a very large contingent, obviously, of, of Spanish-speaking players, they've had, who's managing them now? Nano Martino's gone. You no, know. it's the board. From when, the board. Exactly. So he's not a Spanish-speaking manager. Um, but he um, must speak Spanish. Oh no, yeah, yeah, you're quite right. He can speak Spanish, but he's not a native Spanish-speaking no. manager. But when Martino was there, they had a Spanish-speaking manager as well. It's a sort of, I guess, a halfway house in many ways, and also far more regular payment uh, than a lot of Argentine clubs. You know, we're, we're talking here about a league uh, in in the uh, super, well, not the Superliga, but the the Primera División before the Superliga happened, where you know there were frequent player strikes due to unpaid wages and everything. That's not been so much of an issue um, from MLS's point of view. So I, I think the European clubs get to see how the player can adapt. The MLS clubs obviously get a decent source of revenue if they can make it work and a good chance to grow their league. Um, and yeah, from the Argentine side, of course, one thing that, that, that's going to be hit by it is more than anything is, is the transfer fees that they're able to command from these players. Because if you're selling a player to Atlanta United before he goes to the Premier League, then obviously you're not going to be getting quite the same deal um, that's something that Argentine clubs are going to have to adapt themselves to in the next few years I think it's been interesting what sort of money does a top player earn here like a player for Boca or for River uh, the top 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 earners I think are on maybe a million dollars a year something like that Riquelme when he was at Boca was on something like that I think yes one, one or 1.25 million or something they don't release uh, yeah. the wages but uh, it must be something similar to What's about a Guerra's monthly wage then? 
Yes, probably basically. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, much less than, than Riquelme himself was on when he was at uh, when he was in Europe. Uh, and in fact, he he's an interesting example because when he came back to Boca, he agreed a was it a three year contract, um, and he agreed to play the, to play the third year of that contract for free. Uh, because he wanted to come back to Boca rather, you know, he was sort of done with Europe. He was great. I remember watching, going to Boca and watching, he was playing on one side and Veron was playing on the, on the other side. I mean, they were old, I mean, really mm. old, but they still were brilliant. You could see that. Yeah, it, it's a uh, quality that shines through in the Argentine league. On that note, actually, an interesting uh, quote yesterday that I saw from another great of the Argentine national side uh, we might be saying great through slightly gritted teeth depending on our opinions of um, how modern football ought to be played or anything Javier Mascherano says that he doesn't know whether he's going to come back to River because River are uh, signing players of um, you know great ability and, and of hierarchy and, and players who can still get the job done and he's not sure that he's still up to that standard which is refreshingly honest if nothing mm. else from yes. a from a player with his kind of reputation. Um, yes. Anyway, we knew this. Of course, it's it's strange to to hear it from uh, from the player, but uh, it's a but uh, yeah. When as soon as he went and, and left uh, Barcelona to go and play to Heavy Fortune in China, yeah. it's like we knew that it, it, this was the end for supporters that really or or still wanted him back. Uh, it was something natural, of course. Yeah. Uh, the other two results, I just I didn't actually catch um, Colón versus Banfield, but I thought we should give it a quick shout and say, if he's listening, congratulations Hernán Crespo on your first victory as manager. Um, Banfield got that 1-0 win away to Colón, and we were talking just last week about how they had been much improved, much, much, much better to watch than they were uh, in the first half of the season, but how he was still waiting for that first victory. Well, now he's got it, and I think it was... On the highlights that I caught over the weekend of the game, as I said, I didn't catch the whole thing. Uh, it, it seemed to be deserved. Obviously, highlights packages can do funny things to your perception of a game. Um, and another big well done to Tigre, who we talked about last week and said, Can they survive? No. Um, and who had to come from behind. They went 1 0 down halfway through the first half to Patronato. Okay, it's only Patronato, but they then came back very impressively indeed. Federico Gonzalez scored a goal, which. Um, I've not just seen, but I assume that Andy has been because he's facing the television and I'm not um, on the replay that we've got on. And Walter Montillo, who's about 73 years old or something, um, scored what proved to be the winner from a free kick early on in the second half. Uh, that means that in the relegation table, is it getting interesting or is it not? It's hard to say, right? They've all played 77 games, the teams that I'm about to mention. Tigre have got 80 points. Belgrano have got 83, Patronato have got 84. Those three sides, along with San Martín de Tucumán, are in the relegation zone. Rock bottom, of course, San Martín de Tucumán. Uh, and we assume that San Martín de Tucumán are suddenly going to start winning games because that could actually throw a cat among the pigeons because they're dividing their points by far fewer matches. Um, but then in safety, San Martín de San Juan with 85 points and Gimnasia with 89. Now... I think that Gimnasia are too far ahead, obviously, for Tigre to catch. Um, nine points to make up in... How many games are there left? Is it six? Yes. 20. We've, we've had around 20, so we've got 21, 22, 23, 24, 24. Yeah. Anyway, if Samarín and Tucumán uh, win, which sounds really difficult, but mm. if they win a couple of matches, 
of course they are they have recently promoted so yes exactly so they're, they're, they're only dividing at the moment by 20 games it's so massively complex is this over a period of seasons so over the last than, three seasons yeah. in the current division yeah um, so which is why I mean fortunately San Martín de Tucumán are in such awful form that we can pretty much discount them from climbing up and uh, that's but why they... I'm able to, to compare so Tigre essentially at five points behind San Martín de San Juan they're winning more points at the moment but again I just keep going back to their remaining fixtures yes. which are oh good well, okay, not, the, 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 form, the brand new coach not brand new the, he had already been the coach in the previous match yeah. said that they win, they must win 5 points out of 15 uh, okay, so uh, there are 15, 15 sorry 15 points so 5 matches not 6 but he said this like he or, or apparently did the maths the mathematics yeah uh, and he he considers that winning um, two matches and, and drawing one they will be safe. Uh, really? Yes. Oof. Okay. So let's have a look at these matches and see which two we think they can win. They're away to Vélez this weekend. I think Vélez are going to have to lose concentration in quite a big way for that to happen. Uh, home to Union could be winnable the way that Tigre are playing at the moment, but Union aren't easy to score against. Away to Tacheres could go either way. And then we've mentioned this last week as well, the last two matches of the season, at home to Racing and away to a River Plate side who are quite likely to need a result to qualify for the Copa, uh, Copa Libertadores. Well, and the match against Tacheres will, of course, depend on the... Uh, if if they call the, the team from Córdoba uh, qualifies to the Copa Libertadores main, main groups... Mm. Or not. Yeah, that will affect how seriously Tacheres end up taking it, yeah. Um, San Martín de San Juan have got the Clásico this weekend, the Clásico de Cucho, at home to Godoy Cruz, uh, which I would probably just about favour Godoy Cruz for, but really it could go either way. Then they're away to Lanús, then they're at home to Argentinos, then they're away to Colón, and then they finish with a home game against Tacheres. I think that San Martín have got the easier run in there. Um... They can. They only need to pick up. Hang on, if they're five clear and there are eighteen points to play for, then they need to pick up twelve mm. points. And you mean to command? They have uh, signed. More, yeah. They have just signed Ricardo Caruso Lombardi as a coach. Oh God, they have, haven't they? Yeah, I saw Peter tweet this just before we started recording. Uh, he's back. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Yeah. <laughs> Because we don't like... Well, uh, no, I won't say we don't like him, actually. That's not a hand-upon editorial line because there are certain uh, team members here who do like Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. I don't like him. Uh, I find him insufferable. <laughs> uh, but we're going to have to talk about him a lot more, probably starting next week onwards. Um, on that note, we are going to take a half-time break. I'm going to recharge our glasses and we will come back at you with some listeners' questions. Uh, and I've got some questions. And some of Andy's <laughs> questions as well. Uh, after the break, don't go away. Chelsea fan Andy wonders whether Maurizio Sarri is going to be picking Kepa. Oh God, I should have practiced to say his name before I started. Aritha Balaga. Thank you, Aritha Balaga. And the answer is um, that he isn't. He's picked Caballero. 
we have other. Um, that's that's Caballero. Caballero. We, we can do that one. I here can, on this I podcast. can do that one as well. Um, we have other selection issues to worry about on the hand of Pod uh, because on Sunday, Lionel Escaloni, who is the manager of Argentina, remember, still. Um, is going to be giving a squad list for friendlies in Andres you were the one who remembered this one so I'll let you read them out yes there will be two friendlies the 22 of March in, in Madrid against Venezuela and four days after they will be playing in, against Morocco in Rabat interesting choice for the well for both of them really of, of, of opponents um, and a, a slightly exotic one in the second venue um, but the big talk at the moment regarding the national side is and th- there's been some talk mentioned that Lionel Messi might be back in the squad but the actual big conversation is um, whether the number nine is going to be Mauro Ricardi or Sergio Aguero well, which which is a discussion apparently none of them uh, as of course, it was like a TV show in which they were saying that perhaps the relationship between Aguero and Scully was broken. That is rumors that you never know and you never can can never confirm, perhaps. Mm. But apparently, he wants he 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 uh, neither won't be in the collab, which is strange because he of, of all of the strikers playing right now in Europe is he's with he's the one with the best form uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's strange, and and it's even stranger because the identity of the man who is apparently going to be called up in their place is Andres. This is also about uh, still to confirm because uh, I read it in a piece of news, and I don't want to say that it's for sure, but it, Benedetto was named uh, as a possible possible uh, substitute of Aguero who won't be there, hmm. um, which yes sounds even more strange. Uh, is he going to stick his tongue out if he scores? Yes. Is he going to score? He's, he's not in like as him. good a form as he was in the second no. half of last year. So, um, Whether it's affected by, you know, obviously the second half of last year he was coming back from, from a big injury, but then he, he came back firing on all cylinders. But he's, he's dropped off, I think, a little bit under Alfaro. I don't know whether it's because he hasn't got quite the same degree of confidence as he had when Barosek Galotto was manager or what. But um, Yes. Uh, anyway, I don't expect something much, much more di- different. Uh, to what were the last uh, friendlies um, or that Argentina played in 2018 um, of course Palacios won't be there in, uh, talking about the national uh, or, or the Argentine, Argentinian based players yeah. uh, because he's injured and then uh, I heard of, about Montiel for example Gonzalo Montiel but he's also injured hmm. and then there aren't any more clues apart from Messi who so, uh, allegedly will, will be there uh, to play the, those friendlies yeah that'll be the big drum roll moment when he reaches the part where he announces the list of strikers um, I suppose uh, Andy you must sort of obviously you, you catch more European football than you do Argentine for most of the year when you're not uh, down here visiting Buenos Aires uh, so you must have some idea about you know, in terms of the European based players who you would like to see and maybe who's not been called up it strikes me though that the Problems for Argentina are never who plays it forward. I mean, they've got an embarrassment of riches. I mean, Dybala, Cardi, Messi, Aguero, Benedetto. I mean, they're, they're, they're not short forwards. Hmm. What's interesting, though, I'll tell you who's been doing well, and I think eventually will be a big player for Argentina, is Foyt at Tottenham. 
he, he has a lot of Pochettino has a lot of confidence in him and he's raw and when he came over he was really raw but he's improved massively and I think expect him I don't know if he'll be called up but I expect he will eventually play quite a big part for Argentina yeah we discussed him towards the end of last year because he had a spell of I think it was, he was man of the match in one game and then scored an own goal and got gave away a penalty, sent off or yeah. gave away a penalty or something mm. in the next game and then was man of the match again in the next two games after that or something he's um, surprisingly quick as well uh, mm. he didn't cause yeah. he looks a bit ungainly he looks a bit awkward but he's got something about him I think yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think he's he potentially is the kind of centre back that um, that Argentina have been lacking for some time. Really. I mean, for for too long since Ezequiel Garay got uh, well, whether it was frozen out or whether it was uh, voluntary through injury or whether it was involuntarily through injury or whatever, but since Ezequiel Garay stopped playing for the national team, essentially. But he has already been called up, I think, uh, for the last round of of, of friendlies. Mm. And even he he played even I think one of those matches, so yes, it's, I think he's he's expected to be the the first uh, central centre back for the future. I think. Hmm. Uh, just looking at a couple of articles that I got up on YouTube uh, just before we started recording this section, he's mentioned in both of them as probably going to be called up on on Sunday. Um, so we shall see what happens. Uh, but uh, thank you for that suggestion, Andy. Um, moving on to listeners' questions, we've had some by email, and I'm going to read them out first because I always forget to do the email ones. Um, the first was one that I got last week, and it is from. Hang on a second, it's this one up here, isn't it? I've scrolled past it already. Uh, it is from Andrew Pink, who, as well as suggesting a uh, BBC, uh, BBC, no, that's wrong, a Hand of Pod extra episode. I was just reading part of his uh, <laughs> part of his email to me, which mentions the BBC for some reason. Um, has also said, oh no, sorry, this no, I've got my emails mixed up. No, this, this was just a suggestion for a theme for a Hand of Pod Extra episode because he's a Patreon supporter. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, that's a good enough reason to mention it, isn't it? Don't forget, you can go to patreon.com slash handofpod. Um, and if you sign up at $2 a month or more, then you will get a couple of random um, episodes of me just wittering about stuff on Sunday night after all the matches have been played. <laughs> and if you sign up at $5 a month or more, you'll get two per week, one of which will be what I've just described and the other w- of which will be me along with the um, panellists from each show uh, discussing whatever comes into our head after we finish recording, basically. But we have had a question, two questions, in fact, from email. They're both from Ese Todoroki, who says, first of all, opinions on Eduardo Bausa's sacking by Rosario Central and Paolo Ferrari taking over as head coach? Well, um, if you take into account how Rosario Central was uh, playing uh, lately, it doesn't sound very shocking or, or surprising. Uh, of course, it's something perhaps has to do more with the health, like you said. Um, and about Paulo Ferrari, I think he will be the, more an intern uh, or, or uh, during some time, the mm. coach, because he's not a coach. He's like a former player that adapted to the necessities of, of, of the team. And, and now it's the, like the coach, but I think they will be looking for another coach for, for the future. Uh, and so we don't know him really as a coach no indeed and Essay's other question is uh, we were mentioning it just before the break actually was, was the relegation battle and who we think is going to survive um, or who we think will go down 
I'm going to make this. I'm looking at the relegation table at the moment, so I'm going to put my suggestion on, and then if if you disagree with anything, you can shout out, gents. So Martin de Tucumán are going down. Um, Tigre, because of the difficulty of their running, I think in spite of some undeniably massively improved form, are going to be relegated. I think Belgrano will be as well. And the other spot is going to be between Patronato and San Martín de San Juan. I've just, while Andres was talking, was checking out Patronato's running, and it looks a little bit easier to me than San Martín de San Juan's running looks. So, And they're only a point behind them. So I can see Patronato overturning that um, deficit, if, if it could really be counted as a deficit, um, to survive. But I think it's certainly going to be San Martín de Tucumán, Tigre and Belgrano, and then probably one of those other two. I don't know whether you two want to debate. It's, it's impossible not to agree with that. Uh, I think those three teams will be down and then, yes, uh, it will be very even between them, between San Martín, San Juan and Patronato. Mm. Um, so, yes, I agree. Okay, Jamie on Twitter um, says that he, he got in just after we finished recording last week. So he missed this, but he said it's one for next week if you've already recorded. Is there an update on the dismantling of, ah, it's another relegation question, of the Promedios? I saw some tweets this week saying they were going back to a split season with no Promedios. Uh, so the first thing to say is that if you see any tweets about what next season's uh, league championship format is going to look like, never mind what, what it's going to look like in three or four years' time, um, those tweets, if they claim to be authoritative at the moment, are lying because nothing has been announced yet. The AFA themselves have not made a decision. The Superliga haven't made a decision. Next season, of course, we're only going to have 24 teams in the top flight. That's only 23 matches if everybody plays everybody else wants. Even coming after a season in which we're only going to have 25 matches, um, the organisation uh, has realised that even by that standard 23 is a little bit silly and difficult to sell to people as a proper championship um, so they might well be splitting it into groups and having knockout stages at the end or something like that for a couple of seasons until they can eventually get down to 20 or 22 the idea about bringing in the um, Jamie says split season the the short championships that we you know discussed for the first few years of Hand of Pod um, to me is is a great shame because it was so close to getting rid of them and having one proper season-long thing when, when the league finally gets back down to a manageable size. But it is something that's being discussed. That's about all we know. We don't know who's pushing for it. We don't know who's pushing against it. Um, and the Promedios do look as if they're on the way out, though, because the lower li- lower leagues or the lower divisions have already announced that starting next season, they're gone. So it's only going to be the Superliga that uses the points average system, um, which is this uh, multiple season table, I mean, that we were uh, mentioning earlier. Not, not at all confusing. Really. No. Yeah. Uh, from next season onwards, it's only going to be the Superliga that uses those. And the Superliga itself might decide to do away with them. But if it is going to decide to do that, it's not done yet. And there is some polemic uh, there with the decisions of uh, quitting the, the averages or the promedios for the lower leagues because... The teams that are in the Primera B Metropolitana, the, now it's the third mm-hmm. uh, division, all of the teams that are fighting for for the promotion uh, have their, their directors, are AFA directors also. So there is something that has to do with uh, the decision. Looks like uh, it's in benefit of those teams, of course. Yeah, because uh, people have the idea that uh, this point system is at the expense of teams who come up 
uh, which I've never really been very clear on whether it is, because if you come up and you start winning, then you immediately jump straight to the top of the relegation table because, you know, three points in your first match are worth three points a game and nobody else has got three points a game. Um, <clears> so it kind of works both ways. Yeah, if you come up and you do poorly, then much as Samadine de Tucumán are doing um, in the in the Superliga this season, then you're going to be struggling. Um but I don't know how different that would be. Actually, let's—I mean, let's just check what 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 does the actual league table look like? Where would San Martín de Tucumán be in it? They are twenty-second, so in fact they would be just about clinging on to safety, but a point ahead of the three teams below them, uh, and three points ahead of Argentinos Juniors, uh, and San San Lorenzo. In fact, have got a game in hand over them, um, and are one of the teams below them. Yes. So, I don't think it makes an awful lot of difference. It, it, it's obviously a fairer system. But if San Lorenzo win that game in hand, then the bottom four of the Superliga Championship table will be Argentinos Juniors, Belgrano, Patronato, San Martín de Tucumán. Yes, it doesn't and the relegation too table. Much. I mean, it's the same apart yes. from Tigre instead of um, one of the teams I just mentioned. Can't remember which one. Argentinos. <coughs> um, so yeah, essentially, watch this space. We're going to find out probably a week before the championship starts, maybe because this is Argentina. And at this point, I think that the Averages or the promedios, which are uh, 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 is something that doesn't exist in other leagues in the world. Mm. Uh, formally, uh, benefit the the big teams because they have the chance to not to be relegated if they had uh, done a, a, a poor a poor season. But at the, in this at this time, it get, gives uh, smaller teams the possibility to still play in the first division when they have done it. Did, yes, did yeah. all of this happen because River were once relegated? No, no. Uh, no the, the, it's so complicated. This, why, this why system was it? was first introduced in the 1950s by an AFA who, I, I think the reasons have been lost to the mists of time. Uh, if if they weren't, then they've been lost to the mists of my memory since I read about them. Um, and it was it was used for about I think two seasons, and it was then brought back in in 1981, shortly after San Lorenzo were almost relegated or possibly were relegated um, and the first season of the Promedios in use, it was only for two seasons up until about the end of the 80s um, they rescued River and relegated Racing when on a single season table River would have been relegated and Racing would have just about I think stayed up um, which has installed the idea among a lot of Racing fans that, uh, that there are lots of Racing fans now who will tell you, ah, yeah, but that season they, they announced that the Promedios were going to come in after the end of the season. They did it because, which isn't true. If you, if you read the minutes of the AFA for that year, it's, it's, it was announced before the beginning of the season. Um, but the irony was that it, it was undoubtedly the reasoning was, let's protect the Big Five, let's make it more difficult for them to get relegated. Uh, and obviously, you know, nearly three decades after that, in 2011, it was the system which relegated River because River didn't finish in, in the bottom four in any of the seasons for which they were eventually relegated for having the worst average over those seasons. Um, so, yes and no is the answer. I mean, the answer to your, the, the actual answer to your question is no, but you, you, the question you asked wasn't a million miles off, off the mark. I, I love Argentina, but why is it so complicated? Everywhere else is, here's the league. It's one season. Whoever yeah. wins it, wins it. Whoever bottom two, three go down I mean it's as simple as it can be why, why would you make it so complicated indeed people don't pay attention otherwise they, they, they enjoy the excitement <laughs> of wondering what format the championship will be played in next season 
And a lot of the time that's more interesting than talking about the football, apparently. Uh, Arge Football Fan says, how can I listen to the podcast? I think this was actually a reply to me saying uh, that, um, that last week's episode was going up late. I apologise for that. As you will be aware, we recorded last week on Thursday and on Friday afternoon, as Andy will be aware, because I actually went out for lunch with Andy, uh, my internet was out until about five o'clock in the afternoon, at which point I had to run out. So it was quite difficult to get the podcast uploaded last week. I apologise for that. Um, who, have we, who else have we got? Timoteo Cobertiso says, I feel like a real OG with Almiron, because I knew how good he was before. He was even rumoured to Atlanta, thanks to a combination of hand and pod um, and Argentine league games were available free on YouTube. So thank you, Timoteo. It's good that we were part of your uh, feeling like a genius. Um, Jushin Thunderlager says thank you to us for recommending, or, or to me, I guess, for recommending that you go back and listen to episode 27 if you want more news on what we were just saying, River being relegated in 2011. Um, which, oh, hello, 27. Looks like I've got that wrong, though, from the... Uh, from the um, description that he has screenshotted, it looks like episode 26 was the one with Tim Vickery, uh, where we reviewed Rivers' relegation. Episode 27 is the review of the Copa America in Argentina in 2011 with Jonathan Wilson. Um, Des Corkill was watching Boca for the first time on Sunday, says, oh no, sorry, was watching Defensive Odisia for the first time on Sunday, says they're great fun, and that Boca hardly had a kick in the first half. And uh, he tweeted me this at half-time. It's still goalless, just one clear chance and costs of those quarter-chance moments. And sure enough, that's what proved to happen. Cost them dearly. Um, we have had some questions somewhere. Not very many. Michael Blessage says, thank you for the discount code. He signed up to Fanatis. Good for you, Michael. Glad, and, glad to hear it and we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, Tom Robinson, do you think Newells have started to turn a corner under Hector Bidoglio? Kind yeah. of, yes. Uh, They're a lot better to watch. I mean, whether the results are going to improve, yes. you know, and continue improving, I don't know. Um, but they're, they're infinitely better to look at. Yes, now, now they have the, like, some, I would say that three points, sure, for sure, but uh, most, uh, almost sure, with uh, playing with teams like uh, San Martin San Juan, which are clearly weaker, uh, and with, uh, like, we, like I said, when Maxi Rodriguez was back, with him, Formica and uh, Figueroa, just the, the scorers of the three penalties uh, the other night against uh, San Martín San Juan, uh, I think they are, yes, of course, they have much power, especially in attack, and, and I don't know if he, this has to do, especially with the coach. But uh, those three men in attack, I think they give a lot of, uh, uh, I think, uh, possibilities in attack and, and uh, goal power. Yeah. It, Indeed. Um, they're also just, I mean, they're much harder to, harder to beat, even when they can't play well. You know, the, the Clásico, which we mentioned already, the, the game before that, a nil-nil draw away to Union. Um, that they have been more difficult to break down. The difficulty is, has been that they're not scoring perhaps quite as many as they should, and obviously it helps when you get three penalties <laughs> and score all three of them. Um, but uh, apart from that, I think, yeah, the defence is clearly shored up and, and they just look much more organised and as I say much better to watch because they don't look like they've never met each other before going out onto the pitch um, yes. as much as anything um, what else have we got Newell's Old Boys English says Alan Aguirre for Argentina surely the best goalkeeper in the Superliga this season yes could be yeah. if you, you want think? to make a local or a, a an Argentina based national team he could be uh, mentioned or he could be tested 
I remember when he broke through at Vélez, um, when he first broke into Vélez's first team, and he made, I think it was a penalty save on his debut or on his second match or something, and had a few like really eye-catching performances and saves. Um, and I had, I can't remember who it was now, but there was a, a fellow Manchester United fan um, in, in my mentions who watches quite a lot of, of Superliga, and he was saying, oh, Man United should sign him. And I was like... When he first said it, I thought, yeah, very good. Yeah, he's playing well, isn't he? And then he kept on going on with it every week. And I was like, hang on a second. Do you actually think Man United should sign Alan Aguero? Because he's, he's decent, but he's not that good. Um, so I, I'm not sure. The, the problem is that so many Argentine goalkeepers, particularly the goalkeepers who stay in the Argentine league, we've spoken about this before, become really, really good shot stoppers. But don't come for crosses. They stay rooted to their line at corners and all this kind of thing. Um, I, I think Armani so stylistically will, as much as ability I think it, it, it matters in the I think Armani will stick even uh, when he's not Superman hmm. because uh, when when he wasn't conceding goals uh, he was almost compared to Superman like uh, yeah. this goalkeeper doesn't concede goals and, 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 and they, they, were, they were counting the minutes that he had the, the clean sheet Uh, and now he's proving that he can make mistakes or he can be he can receive goals or concede goals, and even even though I think he's uh, uh, the goalkeepers are, are are players that are kept in their in their uh, positions unless they are they are injured and they have a lot of mistakes. Hmm. And well, Armani Armani has been conceding some goals that he could have saved, but uh, even though I, th I think he he will be there again. Antarta the other day was great if you if you want, uh, and then we will have to see Rome, uh, Romero, Chiquito Romero, like always. He's still so playing, I'm, still playing well, Romero. Exactly. No, I, I I I said throughout his career, I said a long time before he, he moved to the team that I support, um, that I would have Sergio Romero in the team every time because yeah, okay, sure, he's normally been second choice for his clubs throughout his career, um, but he's never let Argentina down. He, he got to a World Cup final as, as one of their most important players, not just like as a you know a, a decent goalkeeper behind an absolutely solid defense, but he was genuinely a big part of that World Cup final run. Um, and I don't understand why since that World Cup run, or really since Martino left, right? Since managers since then have sort of come in and gone, oh well, I want my goalkeeper to be playing more regularly. I, I don't want to speak. I mean. Yeah, I can understand that on the face of it if the goalkeeping position was actually up in the air and there wasn't a clear number one. But when Romero's been fantastic for Argentina, almost uniformly, yes. when, when he never has a bad game for his country, I can't see why you would drop him. He, he's, yeah, sure, he's number two for his club, but he's somebody who can meet the mental challenge of he's being number, number two, two for your club the and then stepping the up. To, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that helps as well. Um, and, and, and he's clearly, he, he can make that mental switch between number two for your club, but when you get to your country, you're going to be starting all the time. Um, so I thought that the way that he was frozen out, for instance, for the World Cup just passed. Uh, you know, we're big Franco Armani fans on, on Hand of Pod, particularly Andres and I, of course, with our river sympathies. Um, but I, I don't think there's any doubt and I'm sure I don't know what you think about Cavachero in comparison Andy but um, I don't think there's any doubt that Argentina would have had a less chaotic I'm not saying a, a non-chaotic no, but a less chaotic I'm amazed up. that Sarri has picked him tonight because he's a liability he's a good penalty saver it was a good idea to bring him on on Sunday would have worked I think mm -hmm. but to pick him instead of uh, Kepa is bonkers he's 38 now and he's he's got mistakes in him all the time you know so 
And that's the problem when you change and you don't have the. Uh, I mean, the goalkeeper is a different position, of course, than any other in the in the pitch. And and the casual mistake against Croatia in the World Cup proves that uh, you have to be very very sure of, of those changes. Even Armani, of course, against France, he wasn't his best version. Mm. Uh, and he was Armani, who was uh, a river was brilliant and had been. Uh, it, it appeared like he he won't, won't wouldn't consider goals, but against France he was not at the best. So you have to for national team and even in the of course for for important competitions, uh, you have to be very sure of the changes you make. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, in short, I think uh, no, we don't think Alan Aguera should be called up. Sorry, uh, Lawrence Hart says, bearing in mind the number of games that Maradona played for Argentinos Juniors compared to Boca Juniors. Should he be considered more of an Argentinos legend than a Boca legend? Yes. And in fact, if you come to Buenos Aires and you visit Boca and then you visit Argentinos, you will see that he is considered much more of an Argentinos legend than a Boca legend. Uh, Boca have you know, given him his, his own private box. Argentinos named the stadium after him. Uh, that gives you some idea of, of the standing. And if you go to Boca... Um, you know, a lot of Boca fans are very much like our number one idol is Juan Román Riquelme, another Argentinos player, funnily enough. Um, they, they they don't obviously consider Maradona to be a bit of bad player in Boca's history. They don't consider him to have not been a legend of any sort whatsoever. But uh, Argentinos, he is the top goal scorer of all time. I think he's still their top assist maker of all time as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, okay, he he left. He left Argentinos shortly before they won the Libertadores, but um, there's you know there's not even any discussion about any of the Libertadores winning team maybe deserving a place in the pantheon alongside Diego. It's all just Maradona. If you walk into their press room, it is literally floor to ceiling, walls lined with pictures of Maradona. It's it's astonishing. And it's not very common to name a stadium with a, a com- contemporary legend, like for example Newell's with mm. Marcelo Bielsa, who was. The stadium yeah. has also Mario Kempes, in, which is called a municipal stadium. It's not a club stadium, it should be said. Um, but yeah, there are very there are a few examples of it, but they are few and far between. Um, and yeah, I mean, essentially, Lawrence, you've inadvertently hit upon the truth of the situation in asking your question. Uh, and Derek Ryan, with the last question that we have received so far, says, "Why the increased number of Argentines in MLS?" See, I told you we had a question about this, haven't we? Hmm. Is it now a stronger league than the Superliga, or are we just acquiring marginal players? DC United lost Yamil Assad, Shamil Assad de Beles, and signed Leonardo Jara from Boca and Lucas Rodriguez from Estudiantes. Is this an upgrade? I mean, I heard that Shamil Assad did quite well in MLS, um, because if I remember rightly, wasn't he with Atlanta before? No, he wasn't, was he? he uh, no, he was somewhere else before he went to DC, I think. Um, and um, for, for Venice, he's never really particularly impressed me that much, either before or since coming back. Um, but it's a, it's a mix. I, I think in the case that you mentioned here with, with Hara and Lucas Rodriguez... I wouldn't say they're marginal, but they're less eye-catching. But then when you've got players like Ezequiel Barco, Gonzalo Martinez, obviously Miguel Almiron, moving on. Um, admittedly, all, all of those players are from uh, have been going to one club. Um, but it very much depends on, on what you're after. And as I say, I think MLS can become a finishing school. Whether it's a stronger league, I'm not sure. If, if there was like a Copa Libertadores for the whole of the Americas, um, I would 
probably fancy Argentine clubs to beat MLS clubs more often than not from the quite limited amount of CONCACAF Champions League that I'm able to watch because uh, it is shown here but normally my girlfriend fancies watching something that's not football after a couple of hours of me <laughs> watching the Libertadores um, but for instance I saw Atlanta against Herediano the other night uh, when Atlanta lost 3-1 admittedly on a hilarious pitch uh, I think it would be more appropriate to play football on the table that we're recording on at the moment um, and I, I suspect that you know performing the way that they did the other night Atlanta would, would get thrashed silly by River Plate for instance if River were taking things seriously um, but that's not necessarily to do them down I mean a, a fair few teams get thrashed silly by River Plate where River Plate take it seriously um, so it, it's a strengthening league and it's certainly financially stronger than the Super League because what isn't but I think there is a, it's a, it is a combination of, of all of the things you, you have said uh, for some players it, it means like it's, I think for Pity Martinez or he thinks so it's like a step behind or a step forward to to stay there and then go to the to, to Europe perhaps for some others it's like it's a great place to live in and to play football and mm. earn a lot of money like for example yeah, it's a quality of life thing as much Federico Iwain is the form, the brother of Gonzalo mm. has been playing there for since a long long time ago mm. Diego Valeri former Lanús midfielder for Portland Timbers I think he's he's there since a lot of time also um, so it's for some it's it's like a time a temporary uh, passage or or, or uh, playing there and for others it's uh, perhaps a way of of finding a place to live also yeah I'm just looking up Iguain to see how long he has been there moved to Columbus crew in 2012 from Colón so he's been there for seven years now yes. Um, and yes as you say it's a quality of life as well as quality of football argument in a lot of cases um, and regular payments because you know before moving to Columbus crew Iguain as an example was playing for Colón Godoy Cruz uh, Independiente, three clubs who in the last five or six years, okay, since he's moved to the States, but you know, in, in, in my memory, um, have had issues with paying players on it time and, and have had players on strike. Luciano Acosta, I think, the former Boca midfielder, that mm. uh, uh, made his debut with Bianchi uh, some, some years ago, it looks like he find, found his place in the world there. Yeah. So it's, yes. Indeed. Um, after this next, oh! Image of the round. We forgot about this. Uh, the best image, of course, of Argentine football, it comes from our sponsors at Fanatis, who you can get a 20% discount for your first three months from by going to fntz.co slash HOP and using the discount code HOPFZ. Um, they have suggested to us that we mention the best image or our favourite image of the round. I'm going to nominate... Carlos Tevez wandering up to Domingo Blanco defending Uticia and patting him on the shoulder while Blanco was preparing to take a free kick um, to congratulate him apparently Tevez said afterwards on a fantastic performance including three nutmegs I think he was probably trying to put him off the free kick personally as somebody yes. plays quite a lot of pool in my local I get really annoyed when my opponent wanders up to me and starts going oh you're playing really well how did you get to it's like <laughs> yes. shut up please I'm trying to concentrate I think it was a little bit of that coming from Tevez but at the time everybody the commentators and everything were going oh he's such a good sport isn't he he's such a nice guy but yes. that was probably the enduring image of the round particularly given uh, that Tevez had scored the goal by that point which actually led to you know defensive Odissi attacking like crazy and not being able to score and, and Tevez's Boca winning the match any other nominations? 
I will, as I said you, I told you off the record, um, for me, has no doubt that uh, Domingo Blanco with those that match showed what uh, Defensa Justicia, how Defensa Justicia was enjoying that match. Mm. And the difficult thing, which is to to make an match, he made three, and he continuing with the ball, not something that uh, used to happen, that uh, you you uh, make it and then the, the, your rival makes a foul or, or tackles you. Yeah. In this case, he was like they had the ability to to make them and then continue with the ball. So, and it also underlined the essential meaninglessness of doing all of that if you can't, you know, create proper chances for your team to score and win the match. Uh, anyway, after this next piece of theme music, you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come. Hoping to avoid Andy's ire with poor team selections this weekend are San Lorenzo versus Argentinos Juniors, which I'm gonna go for a draw in. Union versus Boca Juniors on a Friday evening. Boca on a Friday evening. They're playing in the Libertadores away, I think, on Tuesday or something, aren't they? That must be it. Because uh, the Libertadores group stage begins, yeah, next week. Um, Union versus Boca Juniors, I'm going to go for a Boca Juniors victory. On Saturday, Rosario Central against Belgrano, I think, is going to be nil-nil. If you could go to negative goals, then that one would, somehow. <laughs> San Martín de Tucumán versus Lanús is a Lanús win. Uh, San Martín de San Juan versus Godoy Cruz, the Clásico del Cucho, I think is going to be victory for Godoy Cruz. River Plate versus Newells, I think, is a river win. On Sunday, Patronato host Huracan, and I think are going to... Ooh, Huracan, though. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. I, I kind of fancied picking Patronato to win for a change, but I, I can't, because they're not good enough. Tacheres versus Colón, I think, is a Tacheres win. Uh, Racing versus Estudiantes is another win for Racing. Gimnasia versus Independiente looks like a draw to me. And on Monday, Banfield, I think, are going to get another win against Atletico Tucumán. Vélez versus Tigre, one of the more interesting matches of the weekend, given both teams uptick in form recently. I'm going to go for a Vélez win, though. Sorry, Tigre supporters. And Aldo Civi versus Defensa y Justicia in the green and yellow derby, which isn't a derby. Um, I'm going to go for Defensa y Justicia to win that one. Interesting matches this weekend, James? Yes, like you said, I think Vélez and Tigre could be a good, good match there. Um, Bit annoying that it's on Monday evening. Yeah. Yeah. I know that there are, we've got three different time slots on Monday as well, because there's a 10 past 5 game and then a 20 past 7 one and then a half past 9 one. Oh, because it's a long weekend, isn't it? Of course, yeah, yes. Monday and Tuesday are bank holidays uh, in Argentina. Tacheres against Colón could be Tacheres uh, being a bit better. Mm. That's going to be Chivo, is yes. it? <laughs> In, in Spanish and actually River against Newell's could be decent as well if, if yeah. Newell's continue to uh, play with the sort of organisation that's characterised them so far this, this weekend and uh, this season then it, it, this year eventually I got to the right word uh, then it could be an interesting challenge for River Andy are there any matches that you're hoping to get to this weekend? No because uh, I had a chance to go to River on Saturday night but I'd already made arrangements to go out and I can't put these people off that would have been fun mm. um, it's hard to go to away games here isn't it so even if you know, you, yeah. you want to go and see 
book a place somewhere else in Buenos Aires and it's hard to get tickets. Yeah, and as it happens, actually, on Friday, they're not playing in Buenos Aires, they're playing in Santa Fe, so it would be a, a long journey as well as not being able and, to get the away end, yeah. And Boca is the only team from the big fives, out mm. of the big fives, who aren't allowed to take... Uh, haven't been allowed to take away fans to any matches this season. All of the others have been allowed to take really? on at least one occasion because it's the home side's choice. Um, so yeah well it's the home size choice as long as the security forces say that it's alright as we mentioned last week anyway that is that for episode 327 of Hand of Pod thank you very much for um, supporting us with your ears and, and your listening ability thank you very much for supporting us for your wallets if you're a Patreon member as well you'll be getting a Hand of Pod extra episode which we are about to record um, and for now goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye Andy goodbye and me goodbye two full-time scores to tell you about uh, in different continental competitions in the third round of qualifying for the Copa Libertadores uh, there was disappointment for Tacheres they were tying drawing 1-1 away to Palestino for most of the second half until a stoppage time winner as it was Tacheres were going out on away goals anyway but the stoppage time winner for uh, for Palestino meant that uh, the Chileans got a 4-3 aggregate win and go into the same Copa Libertadores group as River Plate, Internacional of Porto Alegre in Brazil, and Alianza Lima of Peru. Um, and then a little bit later, there was also disappointment for Racing, who drew 1-1 with Corinthians in the Cilindro. You might remember that they drew the first leg 1-1 as well, which meant that it went to penalties, and Corinthians won the shootout. Racing, I say disappointment for Racing, but Racing actually didn't seem that bothered. Um, they fielded a second string side for the the, the tie. Uh, they want to keep their best players back for the league title, and they didn't seem massively traumatised to have gone out. <laughs>